Welcome to Be Boomer Unleashed, episode 137, Just Good News, journal entry number 33, part 2. And this is a continuation of last week's interview with Brother Tony Trammell with his ministry, Dadhood. Before we get into that uh, balance of the interview with uh, Brother Tony, uh, let me remind you, as I always do, where you can find our uh, podcast. You can find us on beboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can always find us on iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. You can find our link on Facebook, Spotify, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you can't find us in one of those places, just Google Be Boomer Unleashed, and I'm sure we'll pop up somewhere where you listen to podcasts. And we also encourage you to drop us an email at beboomerunleashed at gmail.com. That's beboomerunleashed at gmail.com. With your comments, your questions, your criticisms, and your suggestions for future episodes. And if you'd like to be a guest on the Be Boomer Unleashed podcast or know somebody that should be a guest, we encourage you to let us know and we'll do our best to get you or your friend on the podcast. Well, today uh, we're going to finish up our interview with uh, Tony Trammell regarding dadhood. So without further comment or further ado, let's go to the balance of that interview with Brother Tony now. Now, you know, it made me think that uh, one time I was uh, speaking in a church um, about all of this, and after I was finished, good solid church, uh, a lady came over to me and said, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure. So she pulled me aside and she said, um, I, just want you to, I just wanted you to know what today has meant to me. She said, when I was a teenager, you know, I was raised in church. I found myself pregnant. And I, rather than face the judgment of the people in the church, or rather than have to face a... Um, uh, pregnancy alone, whatever it may be, she said, I just went and had an abortion Oh, yeah. to deal with it quietly and to make it go away. Mm. Uh, I didn't want to embarrass my parents. I didn't want to, you know, be um, the one in the church that everybody pointed at every time she came in. She said, I just thought it was quicker and easier to deal with. I'd just go have an abortion. And she said, I've never told anyone till just now. Hmm. And that just, and I'd heard that before, but it just kind of floored me because it was in person. And the fact that she felt like she had to uh, abort her first child in order to avoid the um, wrath of the people of her church, rather than her thinking they will embrace me and help me um, and give me what I need to, you know, move forward in my life and help take care of my baby. The fact that she felt like she had to, to sneak away and abort her child, you know, says a lot, of course, about Satan. It says yes. a lot about her fears, but probably says something about the church she was she grew up in. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, another thing. It's we, just sad. Uh, yeah, and we Baptists, like I said, we have a tendency to color-code sins, but some also, we deem some sins as permanent, you know. Right. Uh, like uh, Sherry and I used to go to church with a, a, a couple, a wonderful couple. Matter of fact, uh, they when they left the church, they went out to Corpus Christi, Texas, and worked for years with the Roloff Evangelistic uh, Enterprise out there. Lester Roloff had a home yeah. for wayward girls and boys, and they worked out there. But before she got saved, she had, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 abortions, okay? Yeah. 
And then she got saved, and she got married to this wonderful guy, and they had children of their own. But that haunted her all those years. But as a church, you've got the option of saying, you're just too dirty. You know, you, you, can't, you can't be a part of this. Or you embrace those people and say, you know, Jesus forgave them. Why can't I? And that's, that's what we deal with in some of these, uh, in some churches today. They, they, there's some sins that you're just, you're that sinner for life. You know, there, yes. there's no redemption from that. Yeah. You, you see a lot of um, people who volunteer in pregnancy centers who have a, a testimony like that, where they have, um, you know, been through something, but they use their testimony not only in their church, but they use it with reaching, um, you know, young people in pregnancy centers. And, you know, I go back to, um, trying to remember the scripture verse. I won't even try it because I'll mess it up. Um, but it's, God makes it very clear that he will take us through um, trials and storms so that we are then able to use that to console and comfort others. Absolutely. Um, nobody can minister to somebody um, in something like somebody else who's been there before. Right. You know, somebody who is, you know, Nobody can win a minister to a widow like another widow. Right. Um, and people who can uh, deal with and recover from abortion, something like that, and then use that testimony to reach others. I know a lot of men that have gone through trainings and things at various centers who have been through abortions who then can talk to young men who come through the door about this is why you don't want to do this. Right. Uh, or I was raised in a father absent home. You don't want to do this to your son or daughter. Right. And you probably already know that. So rather than too often, we see it, like you say, as a permanent sin, rather than uh, being able to use it um, in a way to minister to others. And, you know, I think we look beyond our own um our own sin and like to point fingers at somebody else's. I don't like to hear messages about gluttony. <laughs> <laughs> Me either, brother. <laughs> you know, Me either. You know, that's, yeah. like that's one of those, that's life. one of those little white sins. <laughs> that's right. That's just one of those little minor things. Yeah, that's right. Especially in a Baptist church. Don't talk to me about my fried chicken. Yeah, you know, yeah where, wherever two or more Baptists are gathered, a chicken's going to die. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, uh, so, uh, you know, we don't want to hear about certain things. <laughs> no, we but don't. But we like to look at other people's big things. Oh, look at you, yeah. Yeah, look at this person over here, and that way it kind of deflects the attention. Kind of deflects the, the, the yeah, on. absolutely. Well, Tony, t- t- tell us a little bit about this uh, curriculum you mentioned earlier, preparing for dadhood. Is that like a uh, five-week, 10-week, 12-week uh, lesson? Is it prepared to be user-friendly that uh, somebody else could use this curriculum? Do you train people how to use that? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the curriculum started out, like I said, because there was just a need to have something to work with young men who came in. Um, there's nothing else out there. And we knew that they needed to learn from something and to have a pattern in something. So we began to, well, mostly I, Amy accused me, said, you need to say I more. I said, okay. <laughs> um, started writing lessons. And 
these lessons over time, when I work with more and more young men, they would come in with a question and I'd say, well, let me, let me, let me work on that. And you come back next week. Well, it got to be a good many lessons starting with, uh, you just got the news of a positive pregnancy test. And this is lesson one. You don't want to panic. Don't run. Don't shirk your responsibilities. Um, and this is why. So that was a lesson. The, the curriculum, after I sat down in 2010, and I actually worked on it for two or three years, um, just kind of wading through it and combining things and editing things and trying to make it, like you say, user-friendly form, um, ends up with 40 there's 40 lessons total right? and four Bible studies that can go alongside it that are written just for young men. And the lessons are very flexible. Uh, it gives what we call the coach, you know, a mentor or an advocate. It gives the coach a lot of flexibility to meet each young man that they deal with right where he is. You know, we have to meet them where they're at. Um, so he gives a lot of flexibility to pick and choose. And those lessons, like I say, go from the minute he gets a positive pregnancy test and is usually in shock, um, all the way through, uh, delivery day of his baby and beyond. I think the last lesson actually is 30 days beyond that. Now you can, you know, a, a center can make that into uh, any length of time that they want. Some, you know, run a 10-week program. Some run it throughout the pregnancy, whatever it may be. And it's really good for one-on-one -on -one mentoring because you can pick and choose whatever that particular client is facing or asking about. And, you know, the, the key thing to good mentoring is not being tied to something. There's a lot of good stuff out there now. It wasn't there then. A lot of it is video-based or streaming. It's really good, high-quality stuff, but you're locked in to what they have for you. Right. And I think the great thing about mentoring or discipleship in a church is being able to be flexible with uh, what you need and then also have that option to, you know, this week we're just going to talk. You know, we don't have to watch a video. We don't have to do this. You know, we can just... Um, you know, talk about what's going on with you and your life, get to know each other better, whatever. So it gives a lot of uh, flexibility, and it's kind of, um, and I don't mean this in a proud way, but it's it's kind of a unique cur curriculum out there now, the fact that it walks through a pregnancy instead of just being about this is what it means to be a dad. Right. Um, which they need, I think they need that more down the road, um, you know, after they get used to the whole idea. Um, so there, there are lessons in there, a couple of them about, uh, about his own father, you know, finding out where he is in that relationship, knowing what kind of example he's had in his life, um, to practical stuff like budgeting and, uh, learning the price of diapers and those kinds of things. Um, you know, goal setting and, uh, uh baby delivery and practical, uh, learning about taking care of a baby, things like that. And, um, the curriculum is just something that uh, we put out there. It was the first thing that we did. And, you know, we've tweaked it some since then after we've got input from different pregnancy centers. Um, but that led to something I wrote soon after that, which is called Defending Dadhood, which is to use uh, for 
uh, male mentors to use with a client who comes in who's abortion-minded. Right. And all the tools that he can use are in this book to try to change his mind or to try to help him stop it from happening. Um, then we did a how-to, basically a how-to book uh, for sinners say, well, we want to do this, but we don't know where to start. So there's a book called um, uh, Building Dads in Pink Buildings. And basically what that means is a young man who needs help sees a pregnancy center as a pink building. It's a girl's place. It's a pink ministry. So uh, basically take, take that and how to change that perception for young men and how to start from scratch and, and build into a, um, a ministry that's, you know, up and serving and running and operating smoothly. Um, then another little book that we wrote about how to find coaches, how to find men. Some centers just say, hey, you know, we have young men coming in, but we can't find men who are interested in ministering to them. So we have a couple things like that. So we've just tried to see what needs are, starting with mainly the curriculum for the young men, and just try to fill those gaps along the way, trying to help them. And a lot of this stuff, curriculum, is used by some churches. You know, like you say, that young people uh, have unplanned pregnancy in church, too. Right. Um, and, you know, it's, it's like a partnership because, you know, you were, you were saying that churches already have a their plate full of, of, you know, programs and all the things that they're doing. It's something like this that's a more specialized, if you will, right area of ministry. Um, you know, if you're able to come alongside and partner with them in this, they have something that's um, written just for that situation. Right. And churches are looking for that, you know, in many ways. They have um, this issue pop up in their congregation. So, you know, we just, uh, it started with that curriculum and we kind of broadened our mission from that and um, been working, really been working on that now for about 20 years, which shows my age more than anything, but um, shows that that need is still there. Right. You know, I think one one key element of, of this whole thing is, is as you're meeting with these young donors um, is for them to uh, you know see the light come on that yeah I really do have a role in this thing I'm, I'm really not just a donor but there's there's something that that I need to do here to to help this kid grow up right absolutely yeah and also to help the uh, mom go through this pregnancy to you know stand by her side and accept the responsibility that he's taken on help take care of her so he's helping take care of his baby before he or she's ever born right um which comes along with being a husband you know um and you just have to try help these men figure out this is the way god wired you right um are you going to buck that or are you going to tie into that and become the man God designed you to be well you and know yeah I mean <laughs> and the dads are so important um, you know and, and you probably know the exact statistics on this I can't quote you the exact statistics but I, I've heard this from several different sources 
You know, if a, if a, if a child is the first one to come to your church, you've got less than a ten percent chance of the rest rest of the family coming. Uh, if the mom is the first one to come to the church, that that goes up to probably twenty percent or so. But if a dad comes, if he's the one you reach, if you reach dad, then you're going to get about ninety percent of them. So, the yeah. dad is important in building churches too. Because right. uh, you know, and 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 uh, you know, I, I'm not a, an opponent. Uh, don't get me wrong; I'm not an opponent of bus ministry. But we spend all this money and this time and effort of bringing the kids in, knowing that you've got a very small percentage of a chance of getting the rest of the family in. But if you get dad in first, then you're going to get the whole family. So, where should we be? Where should we be directing those efforts? You know? Yeah, yeah, and you know, a family is only as strong. As the father is absolutely. That's, that's not to brag about men. Just, no, uh, that's just fact. The truth. Yeah. And a, a church is only as strong as the families or the fathers in the churches. Absolutely. Um, you know as well as I do, Jerry, of churches where the men are scarce, right? And the women are forced into the role of leadership in right. places, which is not God's design. I'm probably stepping all over kind of all over toes. But you're right. That's, that's true. Yeah, um, no. But they shouldn't have to be in those roles. No. That's what God has given men to do. Right. And if we shirk that responsibility, we're we're not only hurting our families, we're hurting the church. Yeah. Um so yeah, the, the fathers and men are absolutely essential. Um they're necessary, you know, to be dads. Okay. Um, and that society has lost track or understanding of that along the way. Well, Tony, let me pose one more question to you, and then we'll kind of wrap up. And I don't mean to put you on the spot or surprise you with this question, but uh, I think uh, you can probably handle it all right. <laughs> if you had, if you had one piece of advice to give these donors, if you will, these new fathers to be if you had could could leave them with just one piece of advice what would it be well it had to start with christ right um you know they need to learn understand their need for christ they're to understand what sin is and the importance of uh of being saved and the difference that that can make not only on them, but on their family, on their child, um, you know, on their whole worldview. They need to understand their need um, for Christ in their lives as far as being a husband and a father and even a man. Right. Now, on a practical, and that's not to say that salvation is not practical, but on a, a, an earthly plane, I just say you just need to be there. Right. You know, don't walk away. Take on your responsibility. Um, there's nothing that you can't handle uh, if you handle it in the right way. So don't panic and don't run away and don't give in to, you know, what the world is telling you to do, which is you don't need to be there. Right. Or the world, in the worst case scenario, is telling you you can just abort the baby and go on with your life. You just need to be there and. Uh, be the man God has called you to be. Basically, just man up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Tony, if if somebody wanted more information about dadhood, or they needed to, wanted to get a hold of a, a curriculum guide, or 
maybe get you to come to a group uh, to speak or uh, go where you're speaking somewhere. How, how would they find out more about that? How would they get the curriculum? How do they get in contact with dadhood? Well, we have a website, very simple, dadhood, D-A-D-H-O-O-D dot org. And yeah. it has all the, the stuff that we offer and uh, pictures and, you know, a little bit of everything that you would want to know about uh, about the ministry. Uh, Tony at dadhood.org is a simple email. You can, you know, email me and ask me questions or uh, just have a conversation, whatever. And we have a, a Facebook page is called Dadhood. Okay. Uh, so if you do a Facebook check or Facebook search, you should be able to, to find that. So we're, we're easy to find, easy to reach. Um, if anybody's interested at all, and we're, um, we're not out there to sell stuff, you know. Right. We're not out there to make big money. You know, the Lord's provided for right. me in other ways. We just, uh, you know, we're not a big profit-making thing. We're just a simple little ministry that we want to try to fill a gap. That's great. Well, listen, my friend, it's certainly uh, been good connecting with you again. And, uh, well, I've, sure le- I've, I've learned a lot today, and I'm sure that uh, our listeners will be uh, uh, real thrilled to hear what you have to say. And, and uh, man, if there's ever anything I can do for you, uh, you be sure to uh, reach out to me and uh, uh, hope to meet up with you and talk with you again soon. I hope so, Jerry. I appreciate you. Okay. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Thank you. You too. Well, that concludes our interview with uh, Tony Trammell of Dadhood. And um, if you missed the first part of this uh, interview, which was last week, you can go back and listen to it, too. Hopefully, you've listened to both episodes, but uh, hope that the information that Tony gave you was not only uplifting, but informative as well. Let me reiterate uh, where you can get in touch with uh, Tony's organization. That's dadhood.org, D-A-D-H-O-O-D.org, dadhood.org. They also have a Facebook page just called Dadhood. And if you'd like to get in contact with Tony about any information or you have questions or concerns or maybe uh, you know someone who could benefit from his curriculum in this ministry, You can drop him an email at his personal email at Tony, T-O-N-Y, Tony at dadhood.org. Tony at dadhood.org. Well, I've certainly enjoyed being with Tony the last uh, two episodes, and I've enjoyed being with you folks. Like I always say, it wouldn't be much fun if you didn't come along for the ride as well. And, uh, wow, I'm uh, appreciative of all of our listeners out there. We certainly hope you'll join us for our next episode of Bee Boomer Unleashed. But until then, have a great week and may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye.